I don't know what it is when I record this shit, but I always want there to be like hip hop beat in the background. I don't get it. I get when I first did the show, I always started with like a smooth jazz. I always like that's I like that's hip hop in the background. It's like that I don't know for some reason your voice sounds so good over it. And you know what I just actually remembered? Oh no, that's an embarrassing thought. So my mother is so supportive of me, okay? In everything I ever wanted to do. That one time when I was 7, I remember walking up to her and telling her I wanted to be a rapper and I wrote a song. And you know what the song I wrote was? It was literally just a Limp Biscuit song that I wrote down on a piece of paper. And then I sang to her. And do you know what song it was that? Oh my god, what was it? Can we play it? Can we play that song quick? Do you remember that? Holy shit! And I sang that to my mother. I was seven. Keep rolling, rolling, roll. And I would just go, I'd be mom, when I grow older, I want to be a rapper. Keep rolling, roll. That's not even a rap song. Wow. It's not even embarrassing. It's just like, man, my mom is going to allow me to be Limp Biscuit too. She would have supported me if I wanted to be Limp Biscuit. Imagine if I was Limp Biscuit. Yo, what, what do you think Limp Biscuit's up to? First off, why is your name Limp Biscuit? What? Where does that even... And he spells it with a Z. Biscuit. God, and I wanted to be him. Keep rolling, roll. Can we play it again? Let's play it again. Let's play it again. Can you imagine what my mother was thinking when I sang that song to her? Oh my god, such an... In I guarantee she went into work the next day and she was like, Darlene, to her coworker, Darlene, uh, I think my kid's gonna be a fuck up. I know she did that. Your kid doesn't see sing Limp Bizkit to you and you think he's a good guy. What do you think Limp Bizkit's mom thinks? Miss Biscuit? I don't know. I mean, I guess Limp Bizkit's doing okay for himself. But enough about Limp Bizkit. That's not why you're here. My name's Limp Biscuit, and this is the state of the universe. Okay? I should interview Limp Biscuit on this shit. He's just rolling, you know? He's been rolling since 1996. Keep rolling, roll. Can we play it? Let's play it. Oh, I can't believe I wanted to be that person. I can't believe I wanted to be Limp. Man. This episode features the great Nathan Stewart. And Nate Stewart is a physicist, although I don't think he likes when I call him that, because that implies he's smart, and we secretly both know he's actually dumb, and I'm allowed to say that. And why am I allowed to say that? Because I'm dumb too. And uh, you have a bond with dumb people. When you're dumb, you're allowed to call other people dumb. That are dumb. So it's like, you're allowed to pick on anyone at your level, and it just so happens that both Nate and I are stupid. So we're allowed to, you know, say these sorts of things. But he is an ISS. ISS! You know what that stands for? International Space Station. Operations Planning Flight Controller. That's pretty damn cool. And he's new. He's new. And I, he has that title, but he literally hasn't started the job yet. He's transitioning into that job next month. That's cool. He's going to live. I picture him sitting in a room, right? And just steering the ISS, like on a computer screen. 
like just steering it and making sure nothing crazy happens. That's literally not how planetary orbits work, but that's what I picture him doing, just sitting there and just steering and making sure there's no debris hitting him. And he's just, you know, getting out of the way slowly. Cause that, I mean, cause he, he only operates slowly. So that's one thing. So if you literally did have to do that, he would not be the guy for the job. Cause why? He's slow. Now, and that's not, not like he's slow, stupid. He is stupid. Just like me. And again, I'm not, we're allowed to say that. Okay. He calls me dumb. I call him dumb. It's cause equally we're dumb. Okay. You add us together. You don't even get a fully functioning human being. The sum of our functions do not equal a fully functioning human. And that's a fact. And so because it's a fact, I'm allowed to say it because I don't make the facts. I don't make the rules. I just tell you what they are. And the, the rules are Nate's dumb. I'm dumb. Put us together, one half of humans, one half human, one half fully functioning human. So, you know, it is what it is. But we talked today about the the famous black hole image. We didn't even mean to talk about it, but I ended up talking about it for 30 minutes. I ended up explaining all. If you if you want to know what the freak, why did I say freak? Honestly, it's more embarrassing to say freak than it is to say fuck. It is. It truly is. If you say freak, especially if you say freaking. If you say, that freaking dude, that freaking guy took my parking spot, just leave. Just leave, you know? Just leave. You know what you should do? Here's what you should do. Go out in your yard, dig a hole, bury yourself in it. Just put yourself in it. You know? Jewish burial. And I think that means you just crawl in a hole. And that might not be what that means. And that might also be racist, and I hope it's not. Okay? But also, I am Jewish. So if it's racist, then I'm racist against myself. And is that okay? I am actually not sure if that's okay. But I'm going to pretend it is. We're going to keep moving. We also talk about the moon. All things moon. I like to have Nate on once a month. Because Nate is someone who is deep, deep in the spaceflight community. And because he's deep in the community, he is able to talk to us about what's going on in spaceflight. And it just so happens that this month, pretty much all of the going on, goings on in spaceflight have to do with the moon. We have NASA coming out saying we want to get to the moon by 2024 we have china coming out saying we want to get to the moon as well do we have a new space race brewing i don't know you have to listen find out you have blue origin going to make an announcement today on the day of this podcast release we don't get to talk about that announcement we'll talk about it on the next episode that i do with him because we don't know what it's going to be but nate has some insider scoop and he thinks it's going to be about the moon and he talks to us about how he thinks that and his sources we also talk about SpaceX. They're going to feasibly get to the moon sometime soon. So there's all this stuff going on with the moon. We're going back. We're coming up on the 50th anniversary of the very first moon landing. And because of that, you know, there's this renewed interest in, in the moon. And, and a lot of people saying, wait a minute, it's been 50 years. It's been literally half a century and we haven't gone back. That's crazy. Technically, it's been like 47 years since we've been back. But you get the point. You get the point. So, thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. Like, rate, review the show. Where do you listen? YouTube? Hit the subscribe button. Where do you listen? Apple Podcasts? Rate and review it. Just go hit the five stars. You don't even have to write a review. You literally just have to hit the five stars. You have to, if you don't hit the five stars, you're lazy. If you don't hit it, lazy. Where do you listen? Stitcher? Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on Google Play. Rate it on Spotify. Do what you gotta do. Okay? This month, last month rather, this month, last month, the next, next month, two months, we are in the top 10 podcasts on Cyprus. 
Generally, I, I, the podcast charts in a bunch of countries, but every now and again, I get exposed to a new country that I had never heard of. I literally had to type in Cyprus on a map and look up where it is. I had never heard of it. Never. But we are top 10. Top 10 science podcasts there. Is that cool? Yes. Does that mean one person downloaded it because only nine people live there? Maybe. Maybe. But support the Patreon, support the PayPal, and you have a chance to win gifts. With that being said, bye-bye. You are officially done with graduate school, Nady. Uh, yeah, I am, actually. I just have to walk, and then I'm, I'm out. I hope you fail at walking. <laughs> That's when they take away my diploma. I hope you fail so hard at walking that they take your diploma from me. I, <laughs> I didn't learn how to walk too good in school, so... Really? I mean, I never took a walking course. Yeah, they don't have them. I bet there'd be less yeah. handicapped people if they just taught some people how to walk. <laughs> just how many, people to walk. How many handicapped people do you think just never learned? <laughs> <laughs> Their parents just sit around all day. and just never taught them to walk. Yeah, and they just don't know yeah. how. Yeah. Man, that's probably a real thing. Now, there's probably at least four or five <laughs> handicapped people in the United States of America who just never learned how to walk. They just... They just never figured it out. Their parents were never like, yeah, come here, Sally. Yeah. They, they just, just carried them, them everywhere until yeah. they got a driver's license and they drive, drove everywhere. So God, we just figured we just solved at least four people's problems, I think. Yeah. But I guess at this point, they probably don't want to walk. Right. I mean, I wouldn't want to. But Dude, maybe it's like the grass is always greener on the other side, you know, so maybe they're curious about it. Curious about walking? Yeah. But I'm not curious about sitting all day. But you know how to sit. That's true, but I don't know how to roll. I don't. Are know you to... curious about flying? About learning just how to flap your wings and fly? This is a good thing you bring up because when I was a kid, six, seven even, maybe even eight, this is how stupid I am, I would jump off the couch and I was convinced I could fly. And I would flap my wings. And I thought if that's, I could... Those are arms, not wings. And, and I thought if I could just flap my wings fast enough, then I would be able to actually maintain flight. And I never happened. And eventually I gave up on my dream. And I would even try different configurations of, of like, <laughs> like I was a goose or like I was a duck or like I was an eagle. And I would jump off and I would try so hard. And I never did get to fly. So, you should never give up on your dreams, Brendan. I know. I think I might go back to it. Yeah, you should. I'll jump off my building later. <laughs> do, do that. The fall to the ground will give me enough time to try all sorts of different mechanisms and different ways yeah. of flying. Yeah, and if I land like one of those parkour guys, then I'll survive. Parkour. So, yes, actually, I did always want to learn how to fly. Did I ever? No. No, because I haven't figured out how yet. Because no one ever taught you. Yes, no one ever taught me how to fly. Because my mom wasn't a goose, unfortunately. Which, by the way, I literally don't know how geese even fly. They're so large. They're just angry. Yeah, I don't like geese. Honestly, I don't even know how planes fly. Like, I get the physics... Right? But I don't get it when I see it in the air. <laughs> like, I live in essentially, like, direct path of the runway. Like, mm-hmm. just below the planes enough so that it's not annoyingly loud. Except for sometimes. But but just at the right spot where you can always see the planes coming into the airport, you know? And I honestly don't even get how you have this, like, million-pound aircraft somehow just <laughs> hanging out in the air. Sometimes I look at them like, that thing's actually going to just fall. 
You know, we don't have this figured out yet. I think I think we have it figured out. We don't have well. it figured out yet, Nate. Wait, we definitely haven't figured out. We don't know shit. We don't We're have just, vaccines yeah. at work. We have a flat Earth. Do you want to go on the flat Earth cruise? There's you know a flat what this Earth is? cruise. I don't think you don't know it. Okay. Oh no. There's a flat Earth cruise. They're going to cruise to the ice wall at the border of. At the. They realize that they don't live in the Game of Thrones universe, right? They're going to no. Yes, they do. They're going to cruise to the ice wall as evidence that the earth is flat where's the ice wall antarctica so they're just gonna so are they just gonna fly are they just gonna see a bunch of ice in antarctica and determine that's yes. the end of the world and they're going to yes as soon as they, they understand the ice, that antarctica is icy no like but <laughs> I'm confused because they're going to see something that's supposed to be there and then they're going to think that it validates their opinions. Exactly. Yes. Science, right? And yeah. more importantly, they're going to see, they expect to see the federal government and all the other, you know, people in black helicopters down at the ice wall guarding, guarding it so that you can't peer over the side. So. Well, once they reach Antarctica, they should voyage across it and go until they reach the edge right honestly i hope they just hit an iceberg like the titanic <laughs> <laughs> i hope they no, just because because that'll give credence to all the people who didn't go on it who are like kind of on the fence they'll be like the government took out all the people searching for the truth you know yes but also that's okay <laughs> you know i think it'll just encourage more people to, to join it well that's what we it'll do. be it'll be one of those like gateway youtube videos you know yeah, but that's what we—that's what YouTube is already doing by deleting all those YouTube videos. You know, that's, yeah. I think that this—they uh, have the, Twitter and all the social media platforms now have this policy where they're deleting flat Earth or anti-vax or, or anti-climate change videos, and I think it's a really dumb idea. Number one, it's a waste of time, and number two, I'm not convinced that it does anything. And we had an argument about this like we we did that was a six while months ago or something. Yeah. When it came to Alex Jones, and I was trying yeah. to say that it was a really bad idea because it gives credence to his his platform, and you disagreed. Do you change your mind now? I think I changed my mind a little bit. Oh my I still god! Think, I'm gonna. Kiss I still you. think I still think you should take him down though because really, they're just spreading ignorance and stupidity. Yeah, I agree. The one that the, I'm, the one that I'm really on the fence about is the anti-vaxxer one. Yeah, that's the one that I'm like because that that that. That's when you transition from just being dumb to being dumb and hurting kids. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. That's I had a lengthy conversation on the Kev Baker show about this. About, yeah. like, should you mandate parents, or should you mandate kids get vaccinated? Should that be a mandate that exists? And I honestly don't know. Like, I'm so on the fence because I'm like, I want like, like the libertarian aspect of my personality says you should let people do whatever the fuck they want. But on the flip side, you're, you know, jeopardizing herd immunity and hurting a lot of people in the process. So yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tough question. I think I would side on the the mandating it aspect. I mean. I, I understand, like, wanting to keep everyone's freedoms, you know, and everyone gets a chance, the choice to do what they want. And for long enough, common sense prevailed, and we didn't have to have that discussion, but it seems like common sense is not prevailing. 
It's like, you know, it's like a few dumb kids ruin it for the rest of us, you know? Like in kindergarten, you know, you have a toy and everyone treats it well and takes care of it and then some kid breaks it and then you don't get another toy like that. Yeah, Charlie, every time. Yeah, it's Charlie. Thanks a lot, Charlie. He's so Charlie's stupid, the anti-vaxxer. dude. Yeah. yeah, and he's always has measles and chicken pox and shit. <laughs> yeah. And he just comes in his lice. He's always sick. You ever get lice in school? I had I had lice once. Did you? It was during the summer, though, yeah. Maybe that's why you don't have hair anymore. <laughs> they ate all my hair? Yeah. Maybe you have hair-eating lice. I never did have lice, ever. And I, I, and I actually think that I'm actually immune to it. Because I went to a school where literally everyone had lice. When you went to the nurse, they checked. They, they made sure you had lice. They weren't checking that you didn't. They made <laughs> sure you had it. And if you didn't have it, they'd sprinkle a little in. They were trying to build a herd immunity for the whole school so that we all could get immune to lice. And I think it worked on me. <laughs> because I never had it. I got gum in my hair once. <laughs> okay. You ever get gum in your hair? I've never had gum in my hair. You know actually. what I heard? Peanut, oh. peanut butter helps get it out. So I went home, eight-year-old me, smothered my head in some jiff. Guess what? It didn't Did it work. Help? Not at all. <laughs> you know what helped? Conditioner. Oh. The thing I should have just tried to begin with. That, that con- seems like a logical first step. I put conditioner in my hair and that and it just came right out. No problem. But I I smothered myself in peanut butter. I smothered myself in that Jiffyo, if that's even what it's called. And that might be marshmallow. Uh, I'm impressed that you use Jif because Jif is good peanut butter and a lot of people eat Skippy. Skippy's disgusting. Mm, see, if, you I, eat Skippy, if you eat Skippy, you shouldn't even eat peanut butter. In the first see, place. I just hate peanut butter. Well, that's I I don't like that either. You don't like peanut. My butter? roommate made me eat. He made me eat some like organic zero sugar peanut butter. And it was oh, that shit you have to mix before had. you. That shit you have to yeah. mix before. Oh, yeah, and God. it was like all thick and like it just tasted like it didn't have a taste. Dude, it was disgusting. Get that. Get it out of here. Yeah, you have to I was mix like, this it. isn't good food. Yeah, it's okay. Great, it's good for the environment. It's good for the people. It's good for your body. But also, <laughs> I want to be fat. Okay, I want to enjoy what I eat. Yeah, I want to eat pizza. Yeah. I want to eat a, a filet mignon. Oh. That's what I want to eat. I want to eat a sirloin steak cooked medium rare. Oh. I want to eat uh, salmon. I want to eat lobster rolls. I Crab wanna... cakes. You ever eat a lobster roll? I think we talked about this yeah. before. You I have? I think I have. I don't Maybe think you I have because I thought before you said no. I don't know. How much life have you experienced in the past two months? I don't know. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I, I haven't had a lobster roll. I don't think so. I have to look up what a lobster roll looks like. And if I have to look it up, that means I probably haven't had one. It's, it looks like a hot dog bun stuffed with lobster meat. This is the sound of me Googling. Well, I'm so glad that you've brought this to a screeching halt. Oh, yeah, okay, I've never, I've never had one. Okay, well... What do you think about that black hole image? I thought it was cool. Um, I didn't. I didn't know it was coming out. I hadn't heard about it, and then I got a whole bunch of alerts that there's this black hole image. So you didn't watch uh, the live stream? You weren't like tuned in? No, like I, did, I had no prior knowledge about any of this, um, and I didn't understand what I was really looking at. Um, I watched some YouTube video where some guy broke it down, and that was pretty interesting. But I'm glad that it's one of our things to talk about because I feel like you would know a lot about it, uh, so I want you to explain it to me, actually. Let me understand this. You watched a YouTube video, and you didn't just call your friend and say, hey, 
Oh, so oh, black hole image. He had he had like an easel set up and, and drawings. It was pretty legit. Don't say easel. Or I'm gonna <laughs> scream. Okay? Because number one, literally no one knows what an easel even is. It's one of those things that holds up the big pads of paper. You say tripod. Or like, but it wasn't really a tripod. Was it a pod? I mean, okay, it had three legs, but like, it wasn't like a tripod that like a camera would sit on. Okay, so now that we it agree, was easel. It's not a fucking easel, okay? That's an easel. Don't say now easel, you Google, easel, you Now I'm going to Google synonyms for easel. Don't Google things. God. That's too, too bad. You okay, anyway. this on yourself. Black hole image. What what did you immediately think wow, of? The first, the first synonym was tripod. I give up. Yeah, so who wins? Me? I do. You I'm suck. done. Whatever. Anyway. Black hole what? image. Did yeah. it blow you away? It was literally yeah. It was literally the first scientific announcement I've ever been excited for. Number one. The first one? The first one ever. What about gravitational waves? No, I wasn't excited for it because I knew what was happening. It's oh. like, it's like if LIGO announces that they, they have a press conference coming up where they're going to announce some big finding, you know what the finding is. You know what I mean? You know exactly what it is. You know what you're going to hear. You know what you're going to see. You're going to see that, you know, they detected two black holes merging. But with this, you literally had no idea. You had no idea if you were going to see... What? What organization, who who discovered this and who announced it? It was the Event Horizon Telescope. They've been working okay. for a long time. And um, <clears throat> what they do, I tried coming up with a good analogy for this. It turns out that no one in the history of the universe has come up with an analogy for how radio interferometry works. So radio interferometry is, you know, utilizing different telescopes in different parts of the world or even in different, you know, Areas of the same location. Uh, and that's so you can make a, 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 yeah. a telescope you, that's like the size of the globe, right? You create, an, you create an effective telescope as big as the distance between the two that you're using, right? So if you use one in France and you use one in New York, you create an effective telescope that is the size of the distance between the two. But it, I have not found a good analogy to describe this, So I'll, I, but I think I've developed one. Um, okay. Imagine you have a flashlight, right? And you're shining the flashlight on a wall. You're standing a couple feet back. You're shining the flashlight on the wall. What shape does the light make on the wall? A circle. Assuming you have a circular flashlight, right? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now, you could think of the black hole or any astronomical object that's emitting photons as essentially a flashlight like that. Okay? It's emitting photons. And as those photons travel towards you, they spread out, and they create essentially a giant circular region wherein radiation exists, okay? If you're on the Earth and you have one telescope, it's the equivalent of just having one little spot on the wall that you're looking at the flashlight from, okay? One little blip that you're getting radiation from. And you can make out a good idea of what that radiation, or what the object looks like, what the flashlight looks like, if you will, but you can't get a good um, idea of what the entirety of the flashlight looks like. So what you do is you try to fill in the circle of light as much as possible with different telescopes in all different parts of the circle. And so your goal is to, to fill in that circle as much as possible so that you can build a cohesive picture of what the thing emitting the light looks like. And that's exactly what the Event Horizon Telescope did. They figured out that there's certain galaxies really close to us that the circle the circle that is created from those galaxies emitting light essentially is the same size as the Earth, okay? So, now, the flashlight literally is the center of galaxies, and the circle created on the wall literally is the Earth. 
And so now the goal is to utilize the telescopes on the Earth to populate that circle of light, to try to get as resolved picture as possible of the thing emitting the light. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what the Event Horizon Telescope did. And they utilize... How many, how many telescopes do they have? I don't know. It's some... It's it's They're utilizing like... Geez, I'm not even sure to even give a number. But it's a good amount. Maybe I should look it up because maybe it's... Ah, uh, now who's Googling? Event Horizon. It is an important number, but I'm not well versed in what they do. I have a it's few people... 42? I have a few people that work with them. Did you see, like, pictures of simulations side-by-side side what we observed? Have you seen any of those pictures? I don't think so. Okay, well, those pictures were... I, I just saw, like, the one that was all over and then the one that was zoomed out, I think. Oh, right. Oh, the one that zoomed out is a lie. The one that zoomed out oh. is a complete lie. And the reason it's a complete lie is because that was not create That was not an image from the Event Horizon Telescope. That wasn't even an image in radio. That was an image in X-ray, and it was created by Chandra years ago. Yeah, people, uh, I keep... I so we were just looking at a, at a portion of that image that was taken a long time ago. Yes. So that was the same region, and we're just looking at a zoomed-in portion in radio now. Correct, yeah. Okay. Because if you want to observe the immediate region around the black hole, then you have to use radio, because that's where it emits most strongly. And also, the other reason is, that's the essentially the regime in which we can get the most resolution. We can't get very good resolution in x-rays. We're very bad at doing x-ray astronomy yet. What's, what's the reason for that? The reason f that we're bad at doing x-ray astronomy is x-rays are generally hard to produce. You know, if you, if you have an x-ray telescope, you're lucky. You're lucky if you get, say, 10 photons in an hour. 10 photons in a single hour. Wow. It's really hard to map something when you only have 10 photons. <laughs> okay? Um, and depending on the object you look at, you might get more, you might get less in some so cases. So is that just, so objects in the universe don't produce x-rays very often? Um, there's certain processes that do. There's certain processes that do. But one of the other problems with x-rays is it's really hard to focus them. And because it's hard to focus them, you know, you get shot, they get shot at your body and they go right through. Right? Except for your bones, mm -hmm. um, and so a typical telescope that that you know takes into takes in radio photons or or visible light photons, it focuses them, and the way it focuses them is it it takes a, a really wide image and it boils it down to a really small thing with a lot of detail, right? You focus it, and and in doing that you enhance your resolution. But in the case of X-ray astronomy, it's really hard to focus photons because you know how could you even focus it? You know, how do we how do we focus, for example, like a visible light photon? How do we do that? Yeah, so you take this big image and then you reflect them back to this single point, right? Right, exactly. But you can't do that with an X-ray photon because it doesn't reflect. So the way in which they do it is they have a bunch of um, cylinders that are essentially within... What's that called? When you put a cylinder inside of another cylinder? Um, like those Russian dolls that you put inside of another... <laughs> Nesting balls. There's a word for that. Um, yeah, essentially nested cylinders, we could say. Okay, so okay. you have nested cylinders, and the way in which they focus X-rays, and they're not good at it, is they don't have perfectly nested cylinders, but instead every single one of those cylinders is is um, tilted at about a one degree or two degree angle. So you have nested cylinders that are essentially tilted um, very slightly, and the idea is that an X-ray photon comes in. 
And while most x-rays will just go right through your telescope, some of them will get focused down this nested, um, this nested, tilted, angled cylinder contraption. Okay? Okay. And you can look up, I don't know, the inside of the Chandra X-ray telescope, and you can see a visible way in which this works. And maybe I'll include a picture in the, in the, um, in the YouTube. But that's essentially the, the mechanism. The mechanism is it, you can't focus X-rays so it's really hard to do X-ray astronomy. And and because it's really hard to do X-ray astronomy, we don't have really high-resolution images of, like, a black hole, right? Because you need really tiny resolution, really good resolution, in order to be able to see what's going on immediately around a black hole. I mean, these things are tiny, right, compared to the size of a galaxy. So the that that uh, Chandra X-ray telescope image that you're talking about, that is this, the, the image of the center of M87... What that's actually doing is just mapping hot gas. So when gas gets to like a million Kelvin, which is essentially the same as a million Fahrenheit or a million Celsius, whatever you're in, okay, when it gets to that hot, it starts to emit x-rays. And so almost all x-ray astronomy that's done is literally just mapping where hot gas is. And hot gas tends to exist at the center of galaxies okay. for a bunch of different reasons that we don't need to go into. Um, but... That's that's the did, did I answer your question? I didn't remember yeah, what it I was. It. Okay, yeah. but I I thought the the image was spectacular. Like it blew my mind when I saw it. I well, like, I, I thought it was really cool because the YouTube video I watched explaining it was actually a YouTube video that was released before the image. Yeah, and so he was like, I don't know what it's look. I don't know what it looks like, but from the science, we bet that it's going to look something like this. And they showed and you the like image. Yeah, and it matched up really well with the okay. image. Actually yeah, that's like. what I was referencing earlier. Those those images were created by simulations. And those simulations were created by people that I work pretty close to, which is really okay. cool. Or at least some of them were. Yeah, and, it, and, and what they did is they literally ran thousands of simulations that included all different black hole masses, that included like different masses of the black hole, that included all different sorts of spins. So is the black hole spinning? Is it stationary? Is it charged? And they came up with this, like, essentially, like, giant um, catalog of different ways that the black hole could look, potentially okay. look. And then by matching the catalog up with the known properties of the black hole at the center of M87, we were able to narrow down uh -huh. what we should see. And so we That's came really up cool. with these cool simulations. It's like, a, it's like a giant game of Guess Who or something. Yes, yes, a giant game of Guess Who. And then we are able to pick out the, the most likely. And then it turns out that the image we got matched spectacularly with what was most likely um it's actually amazingly cool um i heard i heard that they were supposed to release an image of the milky way okay on this day they because they also took an image of the galaxy this or the black hole at the center of the milky way um so the black hole that they did release where's that one that's m87 it's in a giant elliptical galaxy um okay. it's a it's an interesting galaxy because it's one of the f first galaxies that was noted to have <laughs> giant um, quasar-like features. So the the black hole is active. It's shooting out these jets um, in, in both directions. Well, we know one direction. We can't actually observe the other because it's hidden by the galaxy. But we know that it, it, it has these collimated jets, and it's shooting out radiation. And that is generally thought to be because the black hole has an accretion disk. And now we're able to actually show that, that... Yes, the accretion disk around the black hole is 
as the reason that we have these large scale jets. And the other reason we chose M87, and I don't think this was talked about much, is that M87 is essentially tilted at us such that we can essentially see down the beam. We can see down that giant jet. And the reason that's important is because it's really hard to take an image of the center of a galaxy when you look, have to look through the galaxy. If the galaxy is on, edge on, you know, mm-hmm. um, such that you have to look through all the stars and dust in order to see the black hole, you're probably okay. not going to be able to see so it. So that galaxy is more like a right angle to us? Yes, it's like a right angle to us. And so we're able to essentially look down at the top of it. And by looking at the top of it, we're able to get a good image of that black hole. Oh. That's actually why imaging the Milky Way's black hole is going to be tough. Because you're and, edge on. Yes, you have to look everything. through all the shit. And we're, we're out at the edge of the Milky Way, right? We're not quite at the edge, but we're pretty far out. Yeah, we're eight yeah. eight kiloparsecs out. And the distance to what would, I think, be considered the, the outside of the Milky Way's galaxy is 15 kiloparsecs. So we're, if you, if okay. you want to you know use rough numbers, we're eight fifteenths of the way out. Essentially half yeah. of the way out. Yeah. So it's pretty close in terms of astronomical distances. We're pretty close to the center, but uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, and so apparently there was some problems, and they had they haven't talked about this yet. But I heard this from some people that were close to the close to this collaboration that there were some problems with the Milky Way's image. It didn't look very good. It wasn't promising. It didn't look nice, and they feared that if they released that image first, then people would doubt their work. Or say that their work wasn't good. And so instead, they got an image of M87 and they released that instead. Because it looks okay. really nice. So yeah. I think what you'll see is like two months go by and all this calms down. And then they'll release the, the Milky Way image, which isn't going to look very good. Uh, and the reason it's not going to look good is because it's really hard. It's really hard to peer through all that gas and dust in order to see what's going on there. So is the plan going forward to just image as many of these of black holes as they can in this manner? This is a good question. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is in terms of... Or are they going to pick, like, stay with, like, M87 and just try to glean more detail out of it? Yeah, I, study don't, it more? I don't know if they even took images of any other ones other than the Milky Way. I'm not sure. I know it's a... It's an incredibly tough business because you need... Because they're using so many telescopes, What the reason, the fundamental reason that I heard why they didn't get a good image of the Milky Way's is because one telescope had bad weather, and that one telescope is at the South Pole. So you need every single one of these telescopes to have good weather and good conditions, and the atmosphere needs to be calm in all these different locations across the Earth, and they need to be calm simultaneously. So yeah. it's it's hard. Wow. So I, will we see... I think that the... I can't imagine they'll give up. They'll keep trying. Yeah. Uh, but But I think it'll be a long time before we start seeing, you know, it's not going to be something like, oh, we figured it out, now we can do it for every galaxy. I think it's going to be an excruciatingly long process every single time you want to do it. Yeah. But it's cool. It's really cool. And there was that – we just talked about that for 30 minutes, I think. So, okay. Yeah, we did. So, actually, I have one more question. So, the yeah. weather thing. Um, so, what if you set it up on the moon? I mean, the moon is smaller than the Earth, but it's still a sizable distance if you could do edge-to-edge, and you never have to worry about weather. Would that be – uh, something that would be possible. I have said this so many times on here and in life that we should build a radio telescope on the moon. Yeah. One of the reasons we should build it on the moon is because you won't have any interference from human beings. You won't have any weather. And this part isn't talked about enough. 
You literally don't have to build a structure. You don't have to build it. You will use the moon's craters to place your telescopes. All you need is some, some, you know, paneling that lines the inside of the crater and yeah. focuses the radio waves to a single source. That's all you need. It, it would literally be a, an easy project because we've done that here on Earth with Arecibo. Arecibo is essentially in a giant crater. And then the, the fat, I think it's called fast in China. It might be fat. That might be what it's called. Might not be. Forgive me if it's not. But I think that's also in, in like a, essentially like a natural valley. And they just yeah. sort of laid the infrastructure. That's all you would need. Huh. You already have the cratering. <laughs> what, what kind of panels do they use? I don't know. What, anything, really anything that, any metal that just that, reflects yeah, radio that would reflect a radio wave. Yeah. So anything that, you know, like if you look at gr- the Green Bank Telescope, you can see through the Green Bank Telescope, which yeah. is really cool. And that's because the wavelength of radio waves is big. And because the wavelength is big, um, you can even get away with using like panels with little holes in them. As long as the holes are bigger than the wavelength of the light, you're good to go. Because the light can't get through. It's the same idea with a microwave. If you ever look at a microwave, the fact that you can see your food. Yeah, the mesh screen. Yeah. The, the yeah. microwaves can't get through those little holes because the wavelength is too big. So, yeah. although I think it'll be interesting when someone comes along in quantum mechanics and is like, wait a minute. Those microwaves can tunnel through that mesh, and you guys have been irradiating your faces for 45 years. <laughs> you all have brain cancer. That'll be one of those things that people look back on, like when they used x-rays you know, to, to measure people's feet, to make sure the shoes fit correctly back in the day. Did they That'll do be that? one of those things. Yeah. You never heard about no, that? No, I never heard about that. Like, So if you went shoe shopping in, like, I don't know, the 50s or 60s, you like put a shoe on and then you just put it under this x-ray detector and it showed a picture of your foot inside the shoe to make sure it fit correctly. Oh my gosh, so many amputees walking around right now. Yeah. That'll, so that'll be one of those things that people look back on our generation and be like, why did you why did you think that was smart? You know? Yeah. Huh. I'm excited to see what dumb things we're doing right now. Yeah, we live in an interesting world. I don't know, maybe we should talk about... I bring you on here once a month to talk about... Um, aerospace you're my aerospace guy yeah. and it seems like it which isn't a bad thing honestly i like it but it seems like 70 percent of our conversations have nothing to do with aerospace <laughs> we get off track a lot <laughs> but i i do think that talking about the black hole thing is is good yeah um maybe i'll try to do a better job of explaining the you should do you should do like a little a little bite size you know like yeah. Six minute part on it and I put that up. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll do, use it as one of my clips that I've been up trying to upload. I'm trying to do yeah. two episodes a week now. One, a clip of an old episode that has a point that is very, you know, focused. Yeah. And then one full episode so I can u- utilize that. But Spaceflight had some, some interesting things going on in the past yeah. two months. It's been two months. Two months, I think, yeah. What do you what do you almost, want to tackle first? I almost burped my face off. Okay, um, we've got we've got long things and, and short things, kind of yeah. lined up. Well, the there's two things I want to cover first. Yeah, uh, and they have to do with giant successes and one giant failure. Blue okay. Origin successfully yeah. had it had its most successful mission. So okay. this was this is recent. This was yesterday, I think, right? Yes. Do you want to yeah. give us a, an introduction into that? Uh, yeah, I can give you a little bit of an introduction. So Blue Origin um, has this suborbital rocket and booster called New Shepard um, that they've launched before. Um, they did a few test flights. And so yesterday they launched into suborbital space, 
with, I think, like 30 or so different payloads, small science experiments from NASA and universities and this and that. Um, I think other companies maybe too, I'm not sure. Um, and they launched, I think they were in suborbital space for about 10 minutes or so. And then the capsule landed, parachutes, um, did a hard landing in Texas, and the booster landed itself, um, I think, back on the pad. I'm not sure exactly where it landed. Um, I don't know, but those videos of watching the rocket come back down and landing, they blow my mind. Yeah. Like, it's amazing to me. Who was the first company that did that? SpaceX. That's what I thought. SpaceX yeah. did it once. and it Well, well actually, actually, so it might have been Blue Origin... I think they – there's like this contentious thing. So I think Blue Origin did it first, but it was just a test flight and they didn't go to space. So SpaceX was the first one to do it having actually been in space or been in orbit. Hmm. I think I think that's it. Yeah, but the point is that they you know, had the, the biggest cargo hold, the biggest um, amount of payload that they've ever had on one of these rockets. They success – did I see that they – this is their 10th successful – trip into suborbital space. I think it's their 10th successful trip into suborbital space. So this is the one, this was like the real, um, the real, real test. They had tons yeah. of payload. They brought it into suborbital space. They landed it safely. You know, everything was okay. And it's a massive success. And now, you know, one of the things I think is interesting is that they claim that they're going to continue supporting research. Which is why they mm -hmm. had such a big payload. They had, I think, 38 experiments on board. Yeah. 38 different experiments from 3D printers to, to biology experiments, all sorts of stuff. Um, and they claim they're going to continue doing research, but it's, it's well known, I think, in, in your community that Blue Origin, Jeff Bezos, that guy, is very, very interested in commercializing this somehow. Yeah. The, I mean, the tagline, the motto for Blue Origin is millions of people living and working in space. So that's the goal for Jeff Bezos and for Blue Origin. So they, they this, is a, this is an exciting time for them. So they had this launch. Um, they announced rather mysteriously that on May 9th, there's going to be some sort of reveal of information. We're not really sure what it is, but they posted a picture of, um, was it Ernest Shackelford, the, the one who went to um, Antarctica? So they posted a picture of like his ship and uh, the date, May 9th, 2019. And so they have New Shepard. So you should lay out their vehicle. So New Shepard is suborbital rocket that they have, named after Alan Shepard, who was the first American in space, um, but he was not in orbit. He was in suborbital and, space. And what does that mean, suborbital? What does that mean? Suborbital means that you are not going in a circle around the Earth. So, like, if you think about the International Space Station, it's in constant free fall around the Earth, mm -hmm. and it's going in these circles around the Earth. Suborbital means you go up and you come back down. It's like a ballistic missile trajectory. Okay. So, like, if North Korea was to launch a nuke at us, it would be suborbital, because it would go up into space, but it would come back down and not fully circle the Earth. Um, so, yeah, so Alan Shepard's first American in suborbital space. Then they have the new Glenn named it for John Glenn, who was the first American in orbital space. And now we hear that there are some news about a new rocket called the New Armstrong. And Armstrong was the first American to walk on the moon. So there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talk about Blue Origin um, releasing lunar lands. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently they have a lunar lander that they've been developing. And to tie into that... Um, 
that Instagram post uh, on the south pole of the moon is the Shackleford crater. Um, so that's where the Shackleford thing kind of comes in. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's all, so they're it all going connects. to the moon. There it is. Yeah, we spoiled it's, it. It's it's pretty much confirmed. They're going to the moon, and one of the the two most interesting places on the moon are the poles because the poles um, get constant sunlight, mm-hmm. so you constantly have solar power. But they have large craters, and so Shackleford craters. One of these where it's deep enough that in the bottom of those craters, it's actually in constant shadow. And so it turns out that a whole lot of ice water has accumulated there over the millennia. So you have constant uh, sunlight and power at the top of the crater. You have water that you can mine for oxygen and hydrogen, rocket fuel, and, of course, drinking water down at the bottom of the crater. And if you were to live somewhere in the crater and, and cover yourself with a little bit of lunar regolith and soil, you would be able to protect yourself from the radiation environment on the moon. Dude, how ambitious do you got to be? To not only form Amazon, but also have arguably the most <laughs> successful aerospace company of this decade, yeah, I mean, of my the generation. Two big, the two big ones are Blue Origin and SpaceX. And Blue Origin is cool because they're very secretive about things. They don't really hype things up before they happen. Whereas Elon Musk will be on Twitter and he'll be like, this is going to happen in six months, you know. Yeah. And there's all these cameras on it. Blue Origin sort of just does it quietly. And then after the fact, they're like, oh, yeah, we did this. Yeah, well, Elon Musk has a history of, of you know, utilizing crowdsourcing, you know, mm-hmm. and not just for money, but, you know, the the attention that yeah. the money follows the attention in the age of the Internet. OK, mm-hmm. if you can get enough eyes on something, you can make a viable business out of it. All right. Yeah, that's just that's literally the principle of of YouTube, of podcasting, of anything that I do on the Internet. That's the principle of it. And Elon Musk taps into that. I mean, that's what happened when he sent the Tesla to space, right? Exactly. There was yeah. no other reason to do that other than he knew it would draw attention to it, and he yeah. knew that through attention you could you so could form. I am going to amend your statement a little bit. There was a reason to do it when you are testing a new rocket. You put in some ballast to mimic a payload, mm-hmm. but typically it's just a large block of concrete or something. Right. Boring. That's that's what yeah. I mean, though. Like there was no reason yeah. it was a car. So there was no scientific yeah. purpose. It could have been anything. Exactly. But. He decided to make it a Tesla and have Starman, the little dummy in there, you know, mm-hmm. with Bowie music playing in the background and Don't Panic on the dashboard from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy yeah. to make a spectacle of it, to bring, to bring people's interest up. And I think, I think he's like the biggest spokesperson for space right now who just get normal people excited about space and, and ready to, you know, yeah. to take part it's in It's incredible. Stuff. It's yeah. incredible. And I, like, I think I'm a pretty damn ambitious person, right? I have, I'm, I'm. I'm ambitious. I'm working every single day. I'm up and at them. I'm fucking yeah. doing shit. But goddamn, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> this dude, he, we literally calculated on here the last time you were on that Jeff Bezos could have funded the Apollo program, the Apollo program. Mm-hmm. The whole thing from beginning to end, he could have funded it and not <laughs> even, and not even put himself in debt. <laughs> The man has like a hundred and sixty billion dollars. Did you see he's getting divorced? This is insane. I saw, to me. I saw that. Yeah. Not only is he getting divorced, but did you see that by getting divorced, he immediately made his wife the richest woman alive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Oh man. She's getting like thirty-two billion dollars in a settlement. What could you do with thirty-two billion dollars? <laughs> like honestly, what what the fuck could you do with it? I think I think the better question is what couldn't you do. With thirty-two billion dollars, yeah, there's literally like you could buy a lot of countries for thirty-two billion dollars. 
Yeah. And Jeff Bezos is literally proving that if you have enough billions of dollars, you could literally go to the moon. Yeah. Like, you could just go to the moon. It yeah. might take a year or two, but you could just go. <laughs> you know? You'll get there eventually. It's, oh my God, it's nuts. I don't yeah. get the, I, I, man, I hope that my ambition brings me there one day, but <laughs> how much of it is luck, though? Like, it's a big chunk uh, of luck. I think, I don't think it's so much luck as it is perseverance. I think a lot of it is is getting the right people, getting the right vision, and then just working through everything, working through the failures because you're gonna you're gonna fail a lot. Right. SpaceX SpaceX has shown that too. I mean, the first two or three launches they did failed, and on the last one was basically for all the marbles. He put all the last money into the the launch, and it went it made it to orbit, and it was like. Now we can move forward. Mm-hmm. No, I don't mean spaceflight being luck. I mean just entrepreneurial activities. Oh, entrepreneurial? Being okay, yeah, that's that's probably a lot of luck. That's just like, man. Think about how many people just f- fizzle out. Yeah. Just fail. But again, I think a lot of it is to perseverance. It is. A lot of it is perseverance. And speaking of SpaceX, you know, we, we have Blue Origin, which had, you know, a massive success this week. And they're probably going to announce some really cool shit next week. You have SpaceX, on the other hand, who... This didn't happen. This happened two weeks ago, I think. They had yeah. a massive failure, right? Yeah, they they had a rough week. So they had they had what what is being called an anomaly. Yes, not I saw a that. failure, not an explosion, an anomaly on the pad. So, um, did you see I'm the sure video of it? I did see it. the the grainy video. Yeah, where the, it just explodes and the guy goes, "Fuck! Oh, fuck!" Oh, I didn't I didn't listen to the audio. Yeah, oh, man, the audio the audio is pretty good. Um, but yeah, so, so for the people who don't know, SpaceX launched a, so SpaceX is contracted by NASA to carry astronauts to the International Space Station, hopefully starting by the end of this year in, was it April? I think it was like April 20th or something like that. They, um, they flew the first prototype of the capsule that will carry humans to the International Space Station. It docked autonomously stayed at the space station for a few days and then came back down to earth again autonomously and splashed down in the Pacific ocean. Um, and if, so if you that, listen to our most recent episode that I did with Nate two months ago, yeah, we, yeah. we were touting this as, as a huge achievement. This was really cool. Yeah. This was, you know, the, the biggest success SpaceX has ever had at anything. Um, yeah. And now fast forward till now, they were, they were fully expecting a lot of things to go wrong with it. Um, and they didn't, yeah, so that was that was back in February or March. And then in April, so they took the same capsule that had flown to space into the ISS, they fished it out, they dried it off, you know, got it cleaned up, and they put it on the launch pad that they wanted to test their pad abort system. And so this is essentially the system that if something goes wrong on the pad, if the rocket starts exploding, the capsule has these thrusters that will fire and pull it away really fast and a couple miles away from the rocket, and then parachutes will come out and it'll land down in the ocean just as it would if it had completed its mission. So anyway, they're testing this on the launch pad and they fire their positioning thrusters, which are the small ones and everything goes fine. And then they're preparing to fire the super Draco thrusters, which are these really strong ones that pull the capsule away and um, it exploded. And so we're not really sure what happened yet. Um, I've heard that it was the fuel source that they use. So they're using a different method for this this 
abort system. Typically, you have like a stack or a tower at the top of your capsule that pulls it away, and these are actually like within the capsule and pushing it away more than pulling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, they use a different type of fuel that needs to be kept completely sealed, and if it is introduced to oxygen, it explodes immediately. And so what I heard people were saying that the fuel they were using, something wasn't sealed properly, and oxygen got in there and reacted with it, and that's what caused the explosion. So this is like the one... This is literally the one thing that if you're an astronaut that's going to be flying with this capsule in the future, this is like the one thing that you're thinking, oh shit. Like this is the yeah. one thing that's keeping you safe is the yeah, ability this is, for this This to is work. one of your major safety features. This so, is the equivalent of like your seat bag or your, or your seat, your seat, your seat bag. <laughs> your seat your bag? Your seat bag? Why did they call them seat bags? That's a way cooler name. <laughs> <laughs> what would that be? It'd just be a bag that z- you z- zips your over seat, you. Your seat just explodes into a bag that covers you. Oh, that would be really cool. Wouldn't it? Yeah. And then it shoots you out of the car and you just bounce away safely. Okay. So they planned <laughs> on flying humans this year though, right? Like July or something. Yeah. So after the successful uh, test launch to the ISS, they were hoping like July, August, um, late summer, early fall to take humans for the first time. Um, that's most definitely probably going to be pushed back, I would assume. Yeah, not only because of the failure, but also because I I would imagine most people are going to be, like, scared a little bit. I don't know. You definitely have crazy enough people, though, right? It's a lot of safety reviews. So the the issue is, well, the thing is, if it's a problem with the thrusters themselves, this is going to take a whole new redesign, rebuild the capsules. It's going to be a long process. If it was just they didn't keep the fuel away from the oxygen... That's a pretty easy fix, hmm. and that doesn't take that doesn't require an entire redesign of the system. So if that's the case, they're definitely still on track to do it by the end of the year. If that's not the case, then it might slip to next year. Oh man, yeah. I need also, to get an astronaut on here. That's you what I do. need. Yeah, I need to talk to talk to some people, JC. Um, also, just to quell people's fears, the capsule that exploded and was totally destroyed, was never meant to fly again. So this was the one that they used previously. They were not planning to use it again. The one that they're planning to uh, fly astronauts off for the first time is an actually redesigned sort of version 2 of this capsule, and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. So, again, if it's just um, a fuel thing, that's an easy fix. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a shame. Honestly, it is, because... You know, I talk about all the time with you when you're on this, how much I like the the pace of industry in space. Like mm-hmm. the pace that they're keeping up. They're sprinting. They're sprinting, and I love it. And, um, you know, because I, I always bitch about NASA's timelines. Like, I don't like their timelines. I don't like how, you know, you have to wait until 2060 for this thing to happen, and then 2080, this next thing happens. I love the accelerated pace that these companies work at, so it sucks to see something like this, yeah. which will probably, you know, I don't know how much it'll delay them, but I, I can imagine, you know, my expectation would be like at least six months to a year. Well, when you're trying to do new things and you're trying to do them fast, failures are what happen. Yes. And there's a reason we do these tests, because we want these failures to happen when there's no one on board, when the, no one's in danger, and we can study and learn from them. So, I mean, this is this is a good thing. That this happened now and not while astronauts were launching and actually needed to use the system. You know? Yeah. Yep. I would much rather they do as much testing as they can 
I yeah, I agree. No, I completely. I don't. I'm not saying don't test. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it's a shame that that for whatever reason the universe decided to hit the brakes on the accelerated pace that these companies are going at. But yeah. um, well, it, it also doesn't mean that it's a standstill. I mean, right. SpaceX is is going full force working through this issue. How much and pressure do you of, think their employees are under right now? Uh, from what I've heard, they're under. Well, right now, like just in probably, general. Probably a good deal. I mean, I've heard that the employees there, the engineers are typically under a lot of pressure. Um, SpaceX is, is pretty notorious for burning out their employees after a couple of years. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's and it's sort of crazy people like Elon Musk expect literally everyone to work the way they do. Yeah, it's sleep under their desk and, you know. Yeah, like so, no family. So when you, when you sign on, it's kind of expected that you'll work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah, not take vacations. Let's, you know, it's like academia. It's the same idea, right? It's the same idea. When you sign on, like, there's this built-in expectation that that you know you're gonna whatever your salary is, cut it in half. If you get paid by the hour, cut those hourly wages in half because that's what you're actually going to be making for the amount of hours you put in. Yeah. Um, that and there is a weird expectation that that should happen, and that is prevalent in a lot of the scientific community. You know, I, I don't imagine it's as prevalent at NASA because NASA is a part of the government and the government doesn't work very hard. Uh, <laughs> but. Well, NASA, I mean, I can speak for Johnson Space Center. Work-life balance is a huge part of, of their, um, their community. Though there are times when, you know, you're going to have to work long hours depending on what's going on with the mission mm-hmm. or some sort of, uh, you know, engineering project you have going or scientific research. Um, but they do try to sort of compensate you after the fact with um, some downtime, some easier projects, so you can take a vacation and, yep. and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I don't know. But they don't. They don't. They don't not work hard. They work very hard. Right, of course. And the rest of the government doesn't. I can't speak for the rest of the government. Do you know how little people? Do, I am convinced that politicians just don't work. Also, you know what else pisses me off, Nate? We live in a digital age. Why can I not just pick up my phone and vote on an issue? I was thinking about this the other day. I was watching the news and there was some shit about the legalization of marijuana in New York State. And there was all this talk about how you have to go through all these, you know, proper channels. And they were thinking about legalizing, but they weren't thinking about legalizing. They have to get the votes in the House and the Senate and whatever. You know, the, the typical way the sluggish American politics works. But then at the same time, they're like, but polls indicate that 65% of people want the legalization. Why can I not just pick up my fucking phone <laughs> and it says, do you want marijuana to be legal in New York? And I click yes, or I click no. And then we do whatever the fuck the population says. Well, you live in a representative you know, democracy, so you vote for people who decide these issues for you. But I think I think it would be, uh, be way smarter if we inform those representatives that exact same way, or if they sent a mass text or something or email out to all their constituents and just said, "What do you think?" And that way they know exactly what their constituents think, and then they can use that to vote. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth and then eat it. There's a lot of we could, we could do a whole episode on on American politics. No, we can't. You want to know why? <laughs> because the only thing I know about American politics is I'm just a bill and I'm only <laughs> a bill. And I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. Do you know how much that video taught me? Nothing. Literally. Well, you now you now know where a bill goes. 
That's all I know. And what else I know is apparently it just sits there for decades. Well, that's accurate, yeah. Because it's been sitting there my whole life. No one <laughs> even knows what the bill says. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we would have had slaves. That's because the bill has like 800 pages and no one wants to read it. Yeah, God. Get it together, American politics. It just seems like it should be so much easier in my mind. <laughs> like, it just seems like it should be so much easier. I don't know. Is there anywhere in the world yet where they do that? Where they're just like popular about everything? Mm, I don't know. I'm gonna have to get. I don't. A, I don't know a lot about politics. I'm gonna have to get a, so. someone who knows a lot about politics on here, and I'm gonna ask him. Yeah. That's the only question I want to know. Is there anywhere in this world? That's the, that's the only question. That's gonna yeah. be a short interview. And if you, well, if you answer no, I'm hanging up. But if you answer yes, then we can talk a little bit about it. That's it. <laughs> That'll be my episode for the week, and it will be 30 seconds. So, because I just don't understand why that. Like, everyone has a phone, you know. Everyone can access. It's amazing when I look at my analytics for the podcast. And I was pretty ignorant as to where technology exists in the world. But literally, they listen to my podcast in every corner of this globe. Okay? There are some areas in, like, Central Africa that don't. There are some areas in, you know, like, Western Europe. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, no. I'm sorry. Eastern, Eastern. Europe. Eastern Europe that, that don't, you know, like Kazakhstan and weird places like that. But for the most part, like, the majority I have of them... I, I have a friend from Kazakhstan. I'll tell her when she goes home to listen to the podcast. Yeah, so you can put that on here. Do that. Put that pin in your map. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing because, you know, the majority of this world has the infrastructure to listen to podcasts, which means they have the infrastructure to use the internet and to use technology, you know? It just seems odd that we haven't yet figured this thing out. Where we could just do popular voting. I mean, everything. I think, I, you know, I don't know. This is my opinion. We would also think, put everyone out of business. Like, in terms I of think, politicians, they would all get fired. Yeah, and I mean, you've seen you've seen the depositions, you know, for, like, Google and Facebook. And you've seen how the politicians don't understand technology at all. Oh, they're so stupid. Yeah. They're so dumb. Who was I talking with this about? I would think I was talking on the Kev Baker show about this. About, um... God, what was I saying? Oh, I was talking about how Twitter can't have it both ways. What I was saying was this. Twitter very much is a monopoly for free speech on the internet, okay? Like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, those are all monopolies for free speech on the internet, all right? Especially Facebook and Instagram because they're owned by the same person, okay? So this is what I was saying. I was saying you, you either – you can operate in two ways. Number one, you can kick people off your platform and tell them you're, they're not allowed on there because they post, you know, some stuff. Um, or, and if you do that, if you do that, then you're going to eventually have some lawmakers that start to say, wait a minute, you're a monopoly. You can't exclude people from free speech on the internet because your platform is literally the only way that they can get it. Or they don't kick people off. You know what I mean? So the, it seems to me like they can't have it both ways. And I don't even remember why I told you that. <laughs> what were we talking about? Anyway, what, what led into all of this? I don't know. Well, we were talking about work-life balance, and but, then you NASA know what? And, and other it, government agencies. It doesn't even matter. Whatever the here. whatever the purpose of what I just said was, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. What's yeah? What's the next topic? The next topic that I want. Let's do a to short one. Let's do a quick one. Well, the one we can... I want to cover is is the moon landing. 
or the lunar landing potentially in the next decade. Oh, that's a that's a long one. Let's do a short one before that. Okay, here's one that happened. Yeah. Females. Okay, got this told, is a good one. Yeah. No. Okay. What explained this? So what happened was I remember this seeing such this. such an easy explanation, and it all got blown out of proportion. That Dude. NASA hates women and doesn't understand <laughs> women's sizes. So what? Sometimes. What happened was what happened was. There were two women supposed to go on in all there, the first like all woman spacewalk, right? There are two, there are two women, uh, two American women on orbit right now. Yes, and and they were supposed to go out for a spacewalk together, right? Mm-hmm. And it was the it was monumental because it was the first time that two women were in space together, which yeah. So every every spacewalk has two people go out. Yes, and so there's never been two women at the same time doing it. And they were supposed to go together, and then at the last minute, they got told, wait a minute, we don't got the right suits. Yeah. Okay, so okay. <laughs> explain so, what happened. So the story online that everyone got was uh, NASA was planning this this all-female spacewalk, and they didn't have two female-sized spacesuits on the space station, so they couldn't go. And everyone was like, you know, this, all, this planning takes years and months in advance. Why weren't their suits up there? Why weren't they working? So the real story is, when you go to space, you typically grow about two inches uh, because your spine elongates due to the lack of gravity. So Anne McLean trained when she's on Earth. She trains in a medium-sized spacesuit. Mm-hmm. So there's about three sizes. There's medium, there's small, medium, and large. Parts are custom fitted. Your gloves are custom fitted. What that. are we doing? Like, Making fucking ice cream around here? We got three <laughs> sizes. Continue. Well, it's it's the chest plate. You know, is is basically what determines yeah. that. Because um, that's like the torso is this hard shell, um, hard upper torso, I think it's called. And um, so she fits into a medium one, but she trained in a large one mm-hmm. because she's like, when I grow two inches, she's kind of right on the cusp between fitting in the medium and the large. Yeah. So she assumed that when she went to space, she would fit into the large one. Well, she got into space. She didn't grow quite as much as she thought she would. And she decided she was more comfortable working in the medium sized spacesuit. And then they didn't have, I think they had two medium sized spacesuits, but. One was not con- – they configured – how was it? How did it go? They had the large one and the medium one configured ready to go mm-hmm. because those were the ones that they were expecting to take. And then it turns out that she wanted the medium one because she didn't really feel comfortable with the large one. And the other medium one wasn't configured and ready to go. So they just had – I think it was Nick Haig who fit into the large one, go into the large one, while Christina Cook went into the medium-sized one. That was ready. Can I – I just that simple. Yeah, it's very simple. It's it's funny how, you know... They, ha- they have enough spacesuits up there. The one wasn't ready. She didn't fit into that one because she didn't grow as much as she thought she would. Dude, I wish I could go to space just to get my back stretched out. I'm in she need of a good back inches. stretch. Dude, my spine... I'm about to put, hook myself up to one of those tables that stretches you. Those torture <laughs> devices. And also, yeah. why is it so hot in here? Jesus oh, it's hot in my room, Christ. too. Christ! It's the hottest place on earth in here. I'm sweating so hard. Oh my god! Well, I'm ready to strap also, myself into a spacesuit. Also, you should you should throw in a link if if you haven't seen it for the Saturday Night Live uh, video little clip they do about it's it's a on weekend update and they do it about the off female spacewalk and one of the actresses is pretending to be Anne McLean and it is absolutely hilarious. It's a it's a great two and a half minute. Is that video. the one? Is is she the one that couldn't that couldn't do the? Yeah, walk? she's the one that couldn't do the walk. Oh, yeah. Imagine how sad that was. Yeah, it's it's so because she just you can tell she's like very sad and she's just trying to put on a happy face 
Be like, oh no, it's fine. But I you know what else? My entire life to do this. Do you know the other propaganda that I saw online? The the absolute dumb shits out there. They were literally thinking, I mean, I saw people on my own personal Facebook page that were thinking this, that we were sending two astronauts to space, like sending them on a rocket to space, and they were supposed to be two women, and at the last minute we took one of the women out and we put a man in her place, and we sent those people to space. Yeah, that is not, wow, that's a, that's a fundamental misunderstanding. Yes, but I saw it a lot. Uh, well, I didn't know that. See, that's interesting, because like... I would assume that no one would think that because to me it's so obvious that there's two astronauts. Well, there's six astronauts on the International Space Station. Two of them are American women, and they were supposed to do the spacewalk. And the spacewalk just involves putting on the spacesuits, floating outside of the International Space Station, and doing repairs. That's what that's what they were supposed to be doing. Not launching in a rocket to the ISS. Nothing like that. They're already there. They're just going to go outside for eight hours and do repairs. Can I ask you an honest question? And sorry yeah. if you get fired for this question. Okay. Do you think that the men and women in space ever get a little frisky and want to fuck? <laughs> um, as far as I know, no one has ever done anything like that in space. Uh, I think that would be very frowned upon. Also, there's cameras like everywhere in the ISS. Is there anywhere you could go? But there was that hole put in the ISS, and they didn't have cameras yeah. for that. Yeah, so that was inside the, the capsule. Um, so you could go in there, I guess. I mean, there's spots that don't. Obviously, there's sleeping quarters don't. The bathroom doesn't. And they turn the cameras off at night when they go to bed. They definitely have fucked. No doubt in my mind. I don't know. Yes, they have. <laughs> Most of them are, are happily married, men and women. Uh, yeah, happily married on Earth. <laughs> when you're in space, the rules change, sir. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That is happening. I would I would say no, but it's also been 18 years of continuous human presence on the International Space oh, Station. Oh, it hasn't. So. It no doubt. I, I can neither confirm nor deny. I, I would assume confirm. not. I, you can't confirm. I can confirm, okay? He, he can't confirm. So, I can. All right? And I just did. All right? And I'm not saying it was one person or a different person. I'm saying Scott Kelly might have done it because he was up there for 17 years. <laughs> That's not true either. So. He was up there for just under a year. <laughs> so, he might be a culprit. But <laughs> should we talk about the moon now? Yeah, let's let's talk about I the moon. I am having um I am having Luke's a man on the moon 2024. Do you, do you recognize the name uh, Dr. David Warmflash? Warmflash? That's his name. No, I don't, but that's a cool name. He's going to be on the podcast uh next week and okay. he's writing a book that comes out next week and it's called Oh. It's called um An Illustrated History of the Moon, I think it's called. And okay. I'm getting an advanced copy sent to me and it looks like a really cool book. It covers the history of the moon in like, I think it's like 50 topics essentially, you know, and each one gets a page devoted to it and, and like nice illustrations and colored pictures and stuff. Oh, and it goes I mean, all the way see. from the, the history of the formation of the earth moon system and the different, the different ways in which the moon has influenced the human evolution all the way to, you know, the Apollo program all the way through future lunar missions. And it looks really cool. It looks like a real good book. And um, I'm going to check it out this weekend, actually, and start reading some of yeah. it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look that up. That sounds really cool. But yeah, it, 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 it uh, comes out next week. But anyway, the reason I, I bring up the book is because, you know, we're getting very close to, the, I think it's the 50th anniversary, right? Yeah. And so I think that's why he decided to write the July, book. July 20th, I think, uh, was the launch. 
Yep. So we have the 50th anniversary coming up. And with that in mind, we have plans of going back to the moon very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as 2024, actually. Boots you, on the moon by 2024. Boots on the moon. The boots on the moon. That's what everyone down here is saying. And the, the, next, the next man and the first woman on the moon will be American. And the rumor is that they actually had originally planned two women, but the, <laughs> su- the suit wasn't uh, fitted there's, right. There's, no, the rocket ship just can't take two women. They're just not built that way. That's so. true, yeah, because they'll yeah. fight and complain and beat the shit out of each other on route. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's not true. But, yeah, so the Trump administration has declared – so originally the plan was to return to the moon by 2028. Um, we're building the Lunar Gateway, which is this orbiting space station around the moon. We've already talked at length about that. Um, a few weeks ago, Mike Pence gave a speech to the National Space Council, and he announced that we were going to return Americans to the moon by 2024 instead. So an accelerated timeline. And that only gives us five years. Uh, so that is that is pretty short especially in the way that NASA likes to do things. So where do you want to go from there? Um, Cause I know I'm, you have questions. Yeah. I, I'm a little confused about the, the, our history just going into space in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, so we're, we're going back to the moon now, right? How are we getting there? That's one of the most important questions. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, How are we getting there? Are we getting there from American soil? Are we continuing to utilize the Russians? What, what's going on? Oh, no, no. So the Russians cannot get to the moon. They don't have a rocket powerful enough. And they're dumb. Continue. They're, they're not dumb. But we we are planning <laughs> to use the SLS rocket space launch system that's been in development since 2011. It was supposed to have its first test flight, I don't know, last year, two years ago, and then this year, and then next year. Now it's looking like... Late 2020, maybe 2021, we'll get to launch it the first time. They'll be going in the Orion capsule, most likely built by Lockheed Martin, which is basically ready to go at this point. Um, if SLS is not ready, the administrator, Jim Bridenstine, has floated the possibility of using commercial partners, so going on the Falcon Heavy or possibly this new Armstrong rocket that Blue Origins is building, or I don't know if there's any other lunar-class rockets. Delta IV Heavy might be able to. Yeah, when is Elon Musk and Yao Ming supposed to float around the moon? Yeah, the, so What's what that Brendan guy's is name? referencing... It's definitely not Yao Ming. It's, it's an artist guy. What Brendan is referencing is that Elon Musk, uh, late last year, announced plans to send six or seven artists on a lunar flyby mission and orbit the moon for a couple of days so that they can take pictures and write songs and books and movies and poetry inspired by the moon and to inspire people to want to go back to the moon and just galvanize interest in space flight. So presumably, presumably if, if, if that's happening, but before 2024, which I assume it will, I don't remember. Well, he needs he needs the BFR to do that because I don't think he's – unless he's planning to use Falcon Heavy for that. I don't know what he's planning to use. I don't know, but my point was if he's using Falcon Heavy, then there, that, you know, then that's proof of concept that you could go to the moon. With yeah. a SpaceX rocket, right? So, yeah. um, it, it'll be interesting. I also saw one of the things we talked about a lot last time you were on was the Lunar Gateway, okay? Mm-hmm. And there was this belief that we wouldn't get boots on the moon until the Lunar Gateway was established. Um, but I saw a, a quote by Ryan Whitley. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's the director of civil space policy at the National Space Council. And he's, he, this is a quote from him that I read. He said, some people were wondering if the gateway was still in the plans. 
well, it may not be in the initial critical path to getting to the first landing in 2024. So, you know, you have some people in administrative roles who are, you know, almost walking back this idea that the gateway is necessary, which I like. I like this. So what he's saying there is the gateway is not necessary to land humans on the moon, which it's not. We've landed humans on the moon before without a lunar orbiting space station. Mm -hmm. The gateway is still very much in the plans. It's still very much happening. The gateway might not be deployed by 2024. And if it is, it might be just one or two very early modules. Um, and so even if those are there, we might not be utilizing them and we might just do similar to Apollo. We have a capsule, a large rocket, we fly to the moon, we use a lunar lander, we come back, we, we come back to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if that's the case, if gateway is not ready to house the astronauts and support them and allow them to deploy the lunar lander from the gateway by 2024, that we're not going to use gateway to get them on the moon's surface. And if that's the case, the landing will be very Spartan. It'll be very short. It'll be similar to an Apollo type thing where we land, we walk around, maybe they spend a day, two, I don't know, and then they leave and come back to Earth. When did you start but, hearing but about Gateway? But oh, Gateway sorry. will be will be built and mm-hmm. continue to be built. And so by hopefully 2028, we have a fully functioning Gateway that we can utilize to send humans back and forth to the moon uh, much more rapidly and for longer durations and to start to build some sort of sustainable architecture for human presence on the moon. Dude, I want to have the first podcast on the moon. Honestly, that'd, that be, might, that'd be pretty cool. That might be my goal. Yeah. You got five and this years. will work out because if you get because you're cl- you're going to be climbing the ranks of NASA slowly. Yeah. And if you could be like NASA administrator in like 2032, you know, that's that's ambitious. But and you sure. would be the youngest NASA administrator ever because I think the youngest <laughs> to date has been 7000 years old. Um, Jim Bridenstine is quite young. He's like 40 something. Oh, really? Well, he might yeah. be the youngest ever. But anyway, and he's a, and he's a rice grad. You're going to climb that ladder and you're going to get to the top and you're going to say, you know, you're going to have all these people reaching out to you. Nate, Stewart, I want to be the first podcast on the moon. <laughs> and you're going to say, no, dumbass, because I already got a guy lined up and I'm going to interview not you, but someone else on the moon. Okay, but you have to do me a favor. And for that one episode, you have to change it to the state of the mooniverse. Yes, I will. And I'll also have a picture of a cow in the background. So they think it's yes. a pun about cows. Yes. But it, you could have it sponsored by Chick-fil-A. I could, yeah. Except, no. Because Chick-fil-A hates gay people. That's true. And I don't support them <laughs> for that. I don't support them for that, but I still love their chicken. They still have good food. I'm trying not to eat there. Oh my god, I love it. So why? when did you start hearing the 2024 number? Why 2024? Uh, that came out a few weeks ago. So this is a new idea. and this Why, is a- why 2024? I'm assuming because if Trump gets reelected, that's the end of his administration. And like every presidential administration since Kennedy, they want to leave their stamp on the great NASA agency, and they want to leave their, their mark on human spaceflight going forward. What does, so Ob- been- what does Obama's NASA plaque say? Does he have a plaque at, at Johnson? It just says confusing. <laughs> well, so the, the past two administrations or three have been have been rather confusing. So that's the issue. People think that NASA is like stagnating and is confused and doesn't know where they're going. NASA does know where it's going. It's just the rug gets pulled out um, from under them every four to eight years. So under the Bush administration, we were planning to go to the moon, set up architecture, train there, and then go to Mars afterwards. President Obama gets elected, and he decides that. He wants NASA to skip the moon and just focus on going straight to Mars. So we have, um, I think it was 
constellation project was under Bush, and that was to get uh-huh. to the moon. And then Obama canceled that, and space shuttles ended, and so we started building SLS architecture and all this sort of stuff in Orion. And then the Trump administration comes in and says, let's go back to the moon, let's focus on that, we'll worry about Mars later. And this happens all the time. Yeah. This is, this so is that, so I, did, I hadn't thought about the Donald Trump aspect of it. But that, that probably is the reason for the 2024. Another thing yeah. I've been thinking is that, you know, a few weeks ago, China also came out and said they want to get yeah. a base being built on the moon in the next 10 years. Yeah. So I wonder to what degree there's a little bit of internal pressure in that. And they, and they want to land humans on the moon before that. So right. NASA doesn't, you know, America and NASA doesn't want to lead, lose its lead in human spaceflight. And it'd be a shame if we land, we were the first to the moon, and then 60 years later, or 55 years later, we're not the next ones there. Yeah. You know, yeah. That would be that would be an embarrassing blow. And that, and China's moving quick. And we've praised China yeah. before because one of the things that they do well that we historically haven't, and, and I don't mean NASA, but I mean just as, you know, scientific culture, is they've yeah. stuck to a plan. Yeah. They've drafted a plan and they've, they have realistic goal, realistic but at the same time ambitious goals that they, they meet and they stick to and they accomplish. You know, you had the Chen, the Chang'e missions, right? And now they have Chang'e 5 going. We talked about Chang'e 4 months ago. Chang'e 5 will launch in December of this year. And Chang'e 5 will, will have be the first moon return mission that is solely automated, right? You could kind of consider yeah. some Apollo missions moon return. but Well, we, I mean, there were sample re- – every single one was a sample return right. mission. exactly. But it involved humans. This yes. is the first robotic mm-hmm. return and, and what And once they, they do that, they will essentially – um, have all the architecture they need to land something on the moon and get that thing back off the moon and back to Earth. And that's yeah. realistically all you need to bring a human to the moon, is you need that infrastructure. Bare bones. Bare bones, but your infrastructure and your vehicle needs to be human-rated, which yeah. adds a lot of complications. Right. Humans humans are really terrible things to take in uh-huh. space. But the technology heavy, is there. And we die really easily, and we need so many things to keep us alive. Yes. The, tech, the base technology is there, but it'll mm-hmm. still be a few years after that uh, until everything's human-rated. Can you explain the Van Allen radiation belts to me? Oh, not I really, but get... I, can, I, can, I can do a little bit. I can give a rough I always get people who are like sending me articles like, We've been to the moon, have we? Well, look at this NASA administrator saying, We can't even get through... The Van Allen radiation belts. So we we can. We did every every single Apollo mission. So the Earth has this magnetic field that kind of funnels in solar radiation, and it kind of traps them in these two belts around the Earth, pretty far away from the Earth. So, like, the International Space Station is well below the Van Allen belts, and you don't have to deal with it. But if you want to go to the vicinity of the moon, you have to travel through these belts, and it's high energy solar radiation, high energy particles. And if you spend a lot of time in it, it can be damaging. Going through it definitely raises your uh, risk of cancer and other bad things. Uh, and it's also tough on the hardware that you're bringing as well because those high energy particles can cause a software glitch. It can cause a zero to flip to a one. You know, it can short circuit things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we went through it on every Apollo mission. We're going to go through it. Every lunar mission, every Mars mission coming forward. Uh, we will have better shielding on our vehicles this time, but you know, radiation is a risk you have to take in uh, long duration space flight. So, yeah, did you see that that um, China is going back to China? They they spend the second out of any country on space flight endeavors. I one saw of the, that. one of the things that that I didn't know 
And I don't know why I didn't know this, but it's that the U.S. and China don't work together on any any spaceflight yeah. endeavors. Yeah. Is that purposeful? Is that something? Yeah, that's, and I, I also don't know the real reason behind this. Um, I'm a, I think it's a political reason um, that we don't work with China. I don't know what going back it is, but they're not partners on the International Space Station. We have not invited them to be partners on the International Space Station. Um, China built their own space station. I think they built two smaller ones that were temporary space stations, um, and they basically do everything themselves. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the reasoning behind it. I wish I did. I keep asking people, and no one tells me, so I don't. I don't know. It's probably a long time ago. I would imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, um, China and the U.S. are at odds on a lot of things. We have very different ideologies, you know. So do I they scare you? How about the fact that they can't use Google? Yeah, honestly, well, you know, I mean, I don't want to throw my opinion out here too much, but there's a lot of censorship in China, you know, their uh-huh. internet goes through a filter, they have, you know, the, I mean, that Black Mirror episode is actually China now, where they have the social rating system, Yeah. where if your rating's not high enough, you know, you either can't get a plane ticket or you have to pay more, you know, stuff like that. That's so um, nuts. And they've got those, you know, not internment camps for the religious group and there's like millions of people in those what are they like re- retraining camps or I forget what they call them something stupid but essentially they're internment camps apparently yeah I don't know there's a lot of weird stuff going on in China that, that definitely worries me a bit it's crazy isn't it man yeah. I didn't know that that um you know Chinese citizens or Chinese people couldn't use social networks or Google or whatever yeah they can't until I, I I had a Chinese friend in, in college and then, you know, I I said something like, why don't you just Google it? Oh, I remember we were eating fish. We were eating fish. We were in the Czech Republic and we were eating fish. And and the fish comes like a whole fish, you know, like the ribs still, just like the whole fish. Yeah. Um, and, and they just cut it down the middle and they give it to you and it's cooked. And this this Chinese kid, man, he, he, he was so good at eating this fish. He's boom, boom, boom. He just shoveled it in, right? And it's because he ate it all the time. And I was like, how do you learn how to eat this fish? Do you just Google it? And and he's like, and he kind of looks at me and he's like, you stupid. Are you the <laughs> dumbest person I've ever met? We don't have Google. We don't have like your contemporary so, uh, Google. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was like, what? I can't live without it. To the amount of times that I pull up my phone during a single day and just like Google something. Like so many, so I would be dumb without it. I literally wouldn't have a degree if I could not Google. Well, they they have search engines, right? Exactly. But but they're they're what they can see is is filtered. Yes. Uh huh. Do you know the shit that I search on Google sometimes? <laughs> I don't want to know. I literally just had to keep me out of it, and, and don't say it because I don't want to get put on a list with you. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're definitely already on a list, <laughs> the same list I'm on. I don't know yeah, what we're, list we're it is. We're probably not far away on it either. Did you have to get, like, uh, oh, you're probably not allowed to talk about that. We should end the episode. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being here, Newt. Do you have anything you want to advertise before you go? I don't have anything to advertise. I think we talked about everything, right? Yep. Oh, uh, well, your favorite Israeli satellite didn't make it to the moon. Yeah, and I think it's kind of my fault, honestly. You made fun of the name too much. I did, because I was calling it bear shit, and I think it's actually, like, Berashit or something. And I was making fun of it, and I was calling it by the wrong name, and it died. Yeah. It crashed into the surface because um, something went wrong in the landing phase. 
Its engines didn't restart. Yeah, it was supposed to, what was it? It was the first uh, lander that was built by a private organization, right? That was the, it wasn't built by a government space agency. It was built by a private organization and it was sent there. And it was supposed, it was sent there because, you know, there was this, this competition being sponsored by Google to try to get the first commercially built. Google X Prize. Yeah. And, um, Bereshit, Bereshit was supposed to be the first. I mean, it might be either, honestly. I'm not sure. But it's supposed to be the first to get there. And then it got all the way to the moon and it just smashed the surface because for whatever reason, it's, it's, uh, landing system didn't work. So. Yeah. Bye bye, Bereshit. And bye bye, everyone. We're out. <laughs> thanks for doing this, Newt, Newt Gingrich. You're, you're, thanks for having me. What'd you send me, dude? You didn't send me anything. What did I send you? I don't know. You sent me some shit. Here, I'll fucking show you some. I'll show you an email.